interesting things in here. We'll come back and explore those. Next text, 26. Isha Goratma Sandhya. Isha Goratma Sandhya. Loka Chambhat Kari Prabho. Upasarpati Sarvatman. Suranam Jayamavaha. Put the word Sarpati in it. That means snake. My Lord, the darkest evening which covers the world is fast approaching. Since you are the soul of all souls, kindly kill him and win victory for the demigods. Adunai Shobijin Nama Yogo Malhurtiko Yokat Vivaya Nastwang Suridang Ashunishtaradushtaram The auspicious period known as Abhijit, which is most opportune for victory, commenced at midday and has all but passed. Therefore, in the interest of your friends, please dispose of this formidable foe quickly. Discha twang abhitam rityum ayam asadita ayam asadita tsayam Vikram yainam ridhe hatva lokan adehi sharmani. This demon, luckily for us, has come of his own accord to you, his death ordained by you. Therefore, exhibiting your ways, kill him in the duel and establish the worlds in peace. Thus in the Bhaktivedanta purports of the third canto, 18th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Battle Between Lord Dabor and the Demon Hiranyaksha. Brahma sounds like he's a little paranoid here. <laughs> it hurt to kill him. Quit playing around. Because the auspicious time of day, known as Abhijit, has passed. And the demoniac hour is approaching. So that will not bode well for us if somehow or other the demoniac hour comes and he's able to mount another formidable attack and perhaps win the battle. But of course there's no chance of the demon overcoming the potency of the Lord. That's not going to happen. It's not possible. Because the Lord is the supreme uh, possessor of all potencies. So he has his various potencies. Subhavaki, the power of existence. Jnana, knowledge. Kriya, the ability to perform activities. Bala, Kriya, strength. So how can anyone defeat him? It's not possible. But still Brahma... He's being a little bit um, tactical because he wants to look, go ahead and take care of it. I'm afraid if you let him go, let him slip out of your grasp one more time, somehow he might get the upper hand. So this is a lila also between Brahma and the Lord. Brahma's 
exhorting the Lord, My dear Lord, please dispatch him immediately before something happens. So there's no reason for his anxiety or his paranoia. But nonetheless, because it is the uh, lila, the pastime of the Lord, to engage in this battle with Hiranyaksha, therefore as part of that lila, Burma is involved because he's the director of cosmic affairs. He's the uh, creator, secondary creator and Lord of the material world, who gets his potency from Krishna himself, Govinda Madhi Purusham, Dhammaham Bhajami. So even Brahma is so powerful, he creates, he takes the ingredients given to him by the Lord and performs the secondary creation. Still, he's, he's very powerful, he's very potent, he has so much Shakti, but he himself says, Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Bajami. I worship that primeval Lord, Govinda. So, um, what to speak of anyone in an inferior position to Lord Brahma? Why would they not also follow in his footsteps and worshiping the Lord? In other words, Brahma's worshiping the Lord, and he is the big cheese of the universe. Then why would anyone lower than Brahma, anyone subsequent to him, uh, anyone less powerful and less intelligent to him, not also do the same thing. That makes sense. That's only logical. So Brahma, he knows, he has full realization of the power and the potency of Krishna. Still, he's engaging in this Leela with the Lord. Uh, and he's a very fortunate person because when the Lord appears, and Brahma is there on the scene as part of the whole Leela. As a matter of fact, Lord Varaha, Lord Varaha appeared from his nostrils originally, if you recall, in this account. So he's very intimately involved with the Leela of the Lord. So whenever the Lord comes, then Brahma is there for the show, for the Lord's exhibition of his Leela. And he takes part. Just like when Lord Krishna appeared, we hear in the 10th canto and the Krishna book, how all the demigods, the leaders of the various departments of universal management and affairs were distressed because there was an increase in the activity of demoniac kings on the face of the earth and the normal cosmic peaceful order was being disturbed. So they came and they prayed to Lord Brahma. My dear Lord Brahma, you please do something about this. Because you're in charge and we're the deputed demigods who carry out our various cosmic management activities. But now there's a big disturbance, so we're coming to you. Can you do something? So Lord Brahma, accompanied by all the demigods, went to the ocean of milk on the shore there, and began to meditate upon the Lord, uh, calling the Lord, basically, to please help in the situation. All the demigods are fried with this demonic activity taking place, and, and sacrifice has stopped, the brahmanas are not being respected, the cows are not being protected, 
uh, society is not going on properly. So uh, Lord Brahma's solution, okay, he, he meditates on Krishna. And then he gets a message transmission from the Lord. Just like we get a message transmission on our phone, a text or an email or some other type of message transmission like the radio or the TV, some media, there's a message transmitted and we can receive it. In order to receive that message, you have to have the proper gear. You have to have the right device to receive the message. So Lord Brahma, he has the right qualification to receive the message from Krishna uh, because he's a pure devotee. Yam Shama Sundaram Achincha Kunasurupam Govindamari Purusham Tamaham Bajami. He can, by virtue of his Krishna consciousness, he's capable of receiving uh, the transmission from the Lord in his heart. And in the same way, when Bhagavad Gita was spoken, um, You had um, Sanjaya uh, relating to Dhritarashtra, who was blind, the events of the battlefield of Kurukshetra. So this narration of Bhagavad Gita is being relayed live, real time, to Dhritarashtra by Sanjaya. But he was a qualified personality and he was receiving that transmission within his heart. Just like television, he could see everything that was going on in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, even though he was not situated right at that place. He was back in the palace of Dhritarashtra. So Prabhupada calls it like spiritual television. He's receiving this information beamed directly to the core of his heart. And so he can see everything, realize everything, and give this account of Bhagavad Gita. To Dhritarashtra. So that is the method of receiving spiritual knowledge is through the disciplic succession transmitted from spiritual master to disciple. Um, this message of Krishna consciousness, which is Nibhrta Trishna, it is not meant for those who are interested in sense gratification or in uh, extending their complication within the clutches of Maya while living in this world. No, this Krishna consciousness message, this practice, this lifestyle, is meant for those who are no longer interested in sense gratification. So what about us? We may have perhaps occasionally or uh, intermittently some attachment to this uh, kingdom of Maya and entangled, being entangled in her complexities and trying to squeeze out some happiness from the material world. That is our position because we are conditioned souls. 
But when we set our feet upon the path of bhakti, and we hear these messages of Krishna Kata, then we begin to understand that our real interest, our real happiness, uh, our real raison d'etre lies not in the affairs of Maya and the activities of the material energy, but that actually our heart belongs to Krishna. And therefore, we sincerely try to practice Krishna consciousness to the best of our ability in order to disentangle ourselves, to extract ourselves from the illusion, which is only accomplished by the mercy of Krishna. So when we receive these messages, this Krishna Kata, from the lips of the pure devotee, Srila Prabhupada, for example, and his Guru Maharaj Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur, and so on and so on in specific succession, back to when Krishna originally spoke to Lord Brahma, then we began to develop uh, an attraction, a taste for hearing about Krishna, which that hearing, if you read very carefully the second chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, it describes very nicely how all the unwanted things that are within the core of the heart, that hard knot of material attachment, becomes slackened, becomes loosened, and all this crud and clutter and flotsam and jetsam, which is nothing other than our desire to enjoy this material world, becomes loosened, becomes broken up, and then we begin to clear away our non-Krishna consciousness. And it is compared to the filtering process of water. If you have water, it has some impurity in it, but you want to remove the impurity. What do you do? You filter out the impurity, and you're left with nothing but the water. So, um, and there's a very good business to be had on water filters. That's by Shesha Kapurbu. He made a small fortune doing the water filters, <laughs> multi-pure water filters. Uh, so when you filter or block all the unwanted things, then you're left with the pure water. So our consciousness is like that. When through the process of purification, by hearing and chanting, serving, being in the association of devotees, then gradually these unwanted things that we're lugging around with us, like a burden of stones, a huge bag of stones we're carrying around, then uh, gradually we're relieved of that burden. And what is left is just the pure soul who is desiring nothing other than to love and serve Krishna and the devotees. So, therefore, Srila Prabhupada said that Krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind. We're not making something up. We're not doing something artificial. Uh, but actually what we're doing is cleaning the heart from the impurities. Eliminating the unwanted things, anarta near shot, 
Anartha means Artha means that which is beneficial. Anartha means that which is unwanted. So Anartha nirbritti. Nirbritti means to eliminate, to get rid of, to annihilate. So uh, therefore that verse we're referring to earlier from the 10th canto. Nirbhatatarashaya. From those who are no longer interested in the goings-on of the material energy and the mundane affairs of men and women that are so prevalent in uh, human society and all the implications of that attachment and entanglement. So normally, ordinarily, the conditioned soul is enlivened about such things. You know, movies, novels, art, it all kind of, uh, as they say, love makes the world go round. But what they're talking about is not actual love. What they're talking about is the attachment to enjoying others through one's senses. That's what's being referred to as love. Reminds me of one song from the 60s. I grew up with many shlokas. Songs from the 60s. There's some guys here. You want to check them out? Check the plumbers. Uh, so there's uh, one lyric that states, Love can make you happy if you find somebody to love. So um, that's true that love can make you happy if you can find the um, supreme object of love and the supreme reciprocator of love, which is the Lord himself. He's, Krishna is the reservoir of love. So if we want to experience the true happiness that the promise of love holds, we'll never get it on the material platform. We'll never get that satisfaction, that happiness from just engaging within the realm of the material energy while we're in the conditioned state. That is uh, intrinsically impossible. Or we could say it is scientifically impossible. It is a proven fact. It is a scientific fact that you cannot experience happiness through uh, material love. You can try, but you will fail. And ultimately, whatever objects of love and whatever reciprocation we feel on the material platform, it's temporary, it's limited, and that will be broken. That will be broken. Because, why will it be broken? Because everyone has to die. So there is a, whatever your program is, that program will be finished. And then you have to start again from ground zero as a baby who knows nothing. And try to figure it all out again. And then again, you die again. And because of your attachment and your karma, Karmana daivanam netrena jantu deho papataye, you will take birth again in a certain womb of a certain mother, in a certain species of life, not necessarily human, by the way. There's no guarantee for the human life. Unless, swapam apyasya dharmasya, trayate mahatobhayat. Because the greatest fear, mahatobhayat, is to no longer get the human body to get a different body. That's the greatest fear for the soul. Because only in the human form of life 
Do we have the opportunity and the facility to become fully Krishna conscious? So Swapamapyasya Dharmasya, even a little bit of Krishna consciousness will save you from that great fear, Mahabhaya, of not taking a human form of life. But we don't want just to do a little bit. There's only enough that we take the human form again. No, we want to give everything to Krishna. And completely become attached to Krishna in love. And then we can go back to Godhead. Taktwa deham janma. Naiti mam. Not taking another birth. Janma karma By knowing the transcendental appearance and activities of the Lord. Janma karma divyam. Which are fully spiritual divyam. Evam yoviti tatvataha. Really getting a solid grasp, tatvataha, factually, in truth, having realization of the Lord's appearance and activities, then chaktwa deham punar janma. You don't take another body. You don't take another birth. Punar janma. No punar janma. No. Only going back home, back to Godhead. That is the goal. That is the mission of the human form of life. And that is the actual purpose of this Krishna consciousness movement, is to create a favorable circumstance so that the conditioned souls in the human form of life can have an opportunity to take to Krishna consciousness, uh, develop their consciousness fully and go back home, back to Godhead. That is our mission. Srila Prabhupada said one time that the devotee, we want to get a piece of paper from Krishna that says on that piece of paper, this man has rendered me some service. So when you leave this body, is there any question about your destination? Here's my permit from Krishna. See, this man has rendered me some service. Signed. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Okay, in that case, you go back to Godhead. Someone else, you go take another bird. You go take a dog bird. You become a cockroach. You put nor bhava musika. You become a mouse again. So we want to get that certification from Guru and Krishna that this devotee has served me, therefore he can go back home, back to Godhead. That is our only aspiration, to serve and love Krishna and then let him do what he will, which means to take us away. So that is, that is what Srila Prabhupada is giving us. He has created, amazingly, starting single-handedly, this worldwide Krishna consciousness movement, which is uh, creating an open door, an opportunity for all the human beings, regardless of birth, national origin, sex, race, creed, religion, employment status, education, 
or any other material qualification, that here is the Krishna conscious movement, here is the opportunity to develop your Krishna consciousness and go back home, back to Godhead. So you would think under these conditions that everyone would be flocking to take shelter of the Krishna conscious movement immediately. You know, it's just hard to fathom. How could someone not take to Krishna consciousness? How is that possible? Well, there is this one factor of the causeless unwillingness of the conditioned soul to surrender to Krishna. That's why we're here in the first place. That's what brought us here. And to give that up um, is not the most popular choice in life in modern society. But really, it's the only good choice an intelligent spirit soul has. Therefore, in the 11th canto, the incarnation of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is predicted. And it said there, Krishna Varnam Tusha Krishnam Sangopalam Asimarishnam Yadya Sankirtan 